Ness! You're not to prove of your methods. Yeah? Well, you're not from Chicago. Travel back in time to the 80s. Reliving the music. You can't have the Pretender's first album. That's mine. I bought it. You did not. The catchphrases. Did you have a brain tumor for breakfast? And the wannabes. Sometimes I see you dance around the house in my underwear. Doesn't make me Madonna. Never will. Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Can you say stuck in the 80s? You said you wanted to know how to get Capone. Do you really want to get him? You see what I'm saying? What are you prepared to do? Everything within the law. And then what are you prepared to do? If you open the ball on these people, Mr. Nash, you must be prepared to go all the way. Because they won't give up the fight until one of you is dead. I want to get Capone. I don't know how to get him. Want to get Capone? Here's how you get him. He pulls a knife, you pull a gun. He sends one of yours to the hospital, you send one of his to the morgue. That's the Chicago way. That's how you get Capone. Hey, hey, welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's your host, Steve Spears. And Brad in L.A. And today we go back to 1987. Prohibition has transformed Chicago into a city at war. Rival gangs compete for control of the city's billion-dollar empire of illegal alcohol, enforcing their will with the hand grenade and the Tommy gun. It is the time of the gang lords. It is the time of Al Capone. It is the time of the untouchables. Like a lot of things in life, we laugh because it's funny and we laugh because it's true. I grew up in a tough neighborhood, and we used to say you can get further with a kind word and a gun than you can with just a kind word. (laughs) There is violence in Chicago, of course, but not by me and not by anybody I employ, and I'll tell you why, because it's not good business. Don't forget, Stuck in the 80s is a member of the CLNS Podcast Network. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and the CLNS Media mobile app. And the all-new CLNS Media website has now launched at clnsmedia.com. clnsmedia.com is now the home of this podcast and 40 other podcasts and vidcasts in the world of sports, finance, comedy, and lifestyles. We're the lifestyles, right? Oh, we, we, are, so, show? we are so lifestyle You have the style. I have no life. <laughs> We're not finance. <laughs> we certainly are sure. not that funny. And we don't we talk really that much about sports. sports. So I guess that's what uh, I guess that's what's left. We are so excited to have our show featured on the new CLNS Media website. Support our network by checking out this episode at clnsmedia.com. That's clnsmedia.com. Right now, officers, get your hands in the air. Nobody move. This is a raid. Everybody, in the what are you doing here? All this stuff is impounded. You're all under arrest. Hey, this isn't right. Hey, this is no good. You got a warrant. Sure, here's my warrant. Oh, oh! What do you think he feels now? Better or worse? <laughs> Brad, I have to ask you a question. Please. Is there a crime-fighting movie, a gangster movie from the entire 80s that can possibly live up to the untouchables? I don't think so. 
I don't, no. I, don't I don't think so. Maybe there's a maybe there's a better movie, but there's not a better movie like this that is so eighties while being so gangster. Are you okay, pal? I had a rough day on the job. Uh, are you going home now? I was about to. Well then, you just fulfilled the first rule of law enforcement. Make sure when your shift is over, you go home alive. Here endeth the lesson. Uh, released June 3rd, 1987, The Untouchables obviously turned uh, 30 years old this year. Directed by Brian De Palma. It is obviously his retelling of Prohibition-era Chicago and the battle between Elliot Ness and Al Capone. Do you remember the first time you saw it? I saw this in the theater. I know a lot of times I'm like, oh, I don't really know if I saw it, but I remember seeing this in the theater. I saw it with my friend Doug because I remember we walked out of the movie theaters like, wow, that was – and just like we probably spent two times longer than we spent watching the movie center and talking about it after we got out of it. Yeah. I was at the University of Florida at the time. They used to show – like first run movies right when they were going out of the theaters okay they would show them on campus okay and they would set up like this room in the student union and they'd set up like just like folding chairs to sit on but you basically got in for a dollar right so i went and i brought my girlfriend at the time who is immortalized in podcast fame as with the nicknames lasagna girl oh uh, other people know her lingerie girl yeah so and I went to see this. That's it's the only one and only time we ever went to the student union to watch a movie because it was so ridiculously uncomfortable. Yeah, but uh, but it was such a good movie, and I that I remember that night fairly well. So <laughs> <laughs> there was use of the peach lingerie. Oh, uh, you know, you can just leave that up to everyone's imagination. You don't have to actually go there. But the pictures are available on. Uh, yeah, I wish com. If, if you're fairly new to the show, uh, I mean, we I think we talked. I'm trying to think when we talked about peach lingerie slash lasagna girl. It's within the first 50 or 60 episodes, maybe. I, yeah. I don't have an episode number, but she was my. It, it might have been the time of um. Oh, the Genesis podcast. Okay, because I think because okay. I dated her sorority sister before her, and so. Yeah. And she was involved in the Genesis era, so okay. I'm, I'm only assuming that I, w- I would yeah. have taken but that that's story. Where the, all the story way would have come through, yeah. 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 So go back, listen to some backups, and you'll you'll find it. Yes, we appreciate the downloads. <laughs> As for the movie, based on the memoir by Elliot Ness and the TV series that ran on ABC from 1959 to 1963, do you, does do you remember uh, Brad who starred as Elliot Ness in uh, the Untouchables in the movie or the TV? Version. In the TV show. Nope. You know, I was even had only the vaguest recollection that there was a TV version. I only watched about five minutes of it myself, but uh, I do know through the magic of the internet that it was Robert Stack. You know, for some reason, I don't know why, I thought there was something more to you. There isn't. You're just like every other hoodlum in those files over there. The only one out of life is a hundred dollar suit and a roll of bills in their pocket. You give any one of them something longer than the menu to read and they'd be lost. You talk to them about God or country, friendship, love, family. You don't even know what you're talking about. Turn around. All they got are their guns. No hearts, no guts, just guns. If they had anything else, anything, they'd know that whatever you get from that roll of bills in your pocket, you give 20 times as much back right down to your soul. Turn around! Did you ever have a family, Frank? A wife, child? Maybe that's what it takes to have a soul. Oh, 
Wow. Okay. Yeah, I could see him doing that. Hard-nosed yeah, cop. He <laughs> and he would go on to win an Emmy Award in 1960. So oh. there you go. Wow. Okay. One of the things that's kind of bizarre, though, is that, like, like, like we say, based on the on the memoir that Ness wrote. Right. Which was but, published right after he died. Like, he wrote right. it with somebody, and then he passed away before it was published. He died pretty much penniless and unknown. Yeah, he was not even think he was not the super cop that is presented in this film. No, not at all. Not at all. In fact, a lot of liberties are taken <laughs> for starters um in real life uh Al Capone uh forbid his men from killing or physically harming any of the treasury agents who were pursuing him because he knew it would lead to more trouble. Yeah, than that, that's else. just poking the bear, you know. Right, right. He did however try to buy them off all the time. With, oh, with I, little, little or no success. I love that scene where the alderman comes in and just drops the envelope on his desk. We have several large operations in the work. We're rather busy, alderman, so what can I do for you? I came up to congratulate you on a job well done. Share your good fortune on such a lovely day. What's that? <laughs> what is that? Mr. Ness, you're an educated man. Let me pay you the compliment of being blunt. There is large, a large and popular business which you are causing dismay. In Roman times, when a fellow was convicted of trying to bribe a public official, they would cut off his nose and sew him in a bag with a wild animal and throw that bag in the river. You tell your master that we must agree to disagree. Despite all the uh, dramatic confrontations in the movie between Kevin Costner as Elliot Ness and Robert De Niro as Al Capone, in real life, the two of those guys never met. Interesting. And uh, yeah, I mean, they're compressing. The funny thing is I watched this movie this week and the, the funny thing is, is how compressed the story is. Uh, it moves along at a pretty good clip. Um, and so you kind of get the sense even while you're watching it, like there's no way that happened that fast, you know? Uh, after I watched it, I ended up going down this rabbit hole of reading about Al Capone and kind of how he, where he came from and how he structured the Chicago crime syndicate he was a part of and really how violent he was, but then how, um, kind of messed up prison, like he, prison is not kind to him. He came out of prison. He was really in bad shape. Yeah. I think what's really amazing about this movie, and I think what people remember it best is for the, the other supporting actors. Yeah. And, well, uh, that starts obviously with Sean Connery. What I need is a small group Nash. of men, handpicked, starting with you. Nash, and how we I am just a poor beat cop. Now, how can I help you? Just work with me. But why should I, though? Because you're a good cop. How do you know that? You told me. Mr. Nash, I wish I'd met you 10 years ago. And 20 pounds ago. I mean, this is a big comeback movie for him, really. Yeah, I mean, if you look at his uh, work in the 80s, he had uh, Outland, you know, which, you know, 80s geeks like us know it. Right. He had Time Bandits. (laughs) I forgot he was in that. I can't can't sit through Time Bandits again. You could skip ahead to, like, Never Say Never Again, you know, the the unauthorized James Bond movie. If, If anything... Don't forget, like Highlander. Don't forget Highlander. Don't well, forget Highlander. Highlander 1986. And still, let's face it, a lot of people don't like Highlander. Yeah. And, I, and by a lot of people, I mean every female on Earth. Actually, 
Drew was watching it recently and was texting me. He was watching it for the first time, and he's like, I don't think I can get through this. <laughs> <laughs> We've long established the theory here at Stucky Needies that you have to – it helps to have, anyway, seen this movie in, in the original time period as opposed to trying to see it 30 years later. Right. It just – yeah. Although, it doesn't hold up. Yeah. I, I think this one does, though. I mean, it, it helps that it's a period piece. Right. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this was – he had done a lot of kind of strange stuff, and he was busy. Actually, he was working. I really like The Name of the Rose, which he did in 1986. I don't know if you remember that. No. Uh, I think that's really good. That's based on a book, which is also really good. But, you know, the, the Academy Award he won for Best Supporting Actor, I mean, that's just like, hey, babe, I'm back. Like, yeah, I'm, not yeah, just, I mean, I'm not just some old James Bond guy. Now I'm an old guy with a cool accent. You know, let's do right, this. Right, Get me right. some gigs. And, you know, the next thing you know, <laughs> he he's, did. yeah, next thing you know, he's Professor Henry Jones and he's Marco Ramius and Hunt for Red October. And, you know, he's a busy guy again. Yeah. Uh, the other people you get to see for the, for maybe the first time in their careers, uh, Andy Garcia. Stone. George Stone. What's your name? What's your real name? That is my real name. Now, nah. what was it before you changed it? Giuseppe Petri. Jeez, I knew it. That's all you need, one thieving wop and the team. What's that you say? I said that you're a lying member of a no-good race. It's much better than you, you stinking Irish pig. Oh, I like him. And then the great and underrated Charles Martin Smith is in there as the accountant from the Treasury Department. Mr. Ness? Yes. Oscar Wallace. Uh-huh. I've been assigned here by the Washington Bureau. We are a little in the dark here, but any ideas you may have... Well, actually, yes, sir, I do. And the one that I want to try first is this. He has not filed a return since 1926. He's such a familiar face. What else has he done? Well, he... he these days, he's mainly a director... Okay. You would have seen him like if you if you saw the the Winter the Dolphin, you know, the, the Dolphin Tale movies. Okay. He he's he directed both of those oh, and he cool. has a bit part in one of them at least. He in the eighties was in a movie that nobody likes called um The Experts, which was nineteen eighty nine, which is okay. uh, John Travolta plays a uh you know, some rube that the Russians hire as an a, a, like an American expert to train their spies. Oh, uh, okay. He's in that. He's in uh, you. Uh, he's in Starman, right? He is in Starman. Yeah, I was looking at the list, and he's in another. Um, I just realized. He said, Remember the movie? Nobody saw this movie. This movie called Never Cry Wolf. No, never saw about, that. About no. a well, this is one of those. I saw ten minutes of it because I worked at the movie theaters then, and we showed it for a week. But it's a, like a researcher that gets dropped off in the middle of nowhere, and he's like looking into wolves. And the way he, you're gonna laugh. The way he communicates with the wolves is with his bassoon. Bassoon, you're he kidding brings me. A, he brings he's a making... bassoon. I'm not making this up. That's the only reason I remember this movie. He he brings this bassoon out, and he's like, "There's a scene where he's sitting up on a cliff playing this thing, and it's just like, what? Like you couldn't think of anything weirder than that, you know? So oh, yeah, that's kind of bizarre. Like that's what you're he's... gonna haul out into the back country is your bassoon. You got your, you know, you got firewood, you got propane, you got food, you got a tent. Don't forget your bassoon. Better yeah. bring a couple spare reeds. <laughs> what? 
I'd love to talk to this guy. I mean, uh, I know uh, the film critic for the San Bay Times interviewed him when the Dolphin Tale movies came out because the Dolphin Tale movies are based in Clearwater. Oh, okay, cool. But uh, but Charles Martin Smith plays the Treasury accountant, and in the movie, there's I think he's in one of the saddest scenes in the movie. Oh, where yeah. He's uh, killed in the uh, police station elevator, and uh, the the murderer writes "touchable" in right. blood on the on the on wall, the wall oh. of the elevator. Yeah, in my heart, a, I don't know about you, but every time I see that scene, you know it's coming. Yeah, but when and he's just so gas, happy walking into the elevator. He's like, "Yeah, yeah. I'm loving this cop work. This is great." Yeah, and he's got about ten seconds left to live at that point. Yeah, an interesting thing that I read this week that I hadn't noticed is that the two members of the Untouchable Squad that actually have a drink in the movie, they both die. Oh wow, I didn't think about that. Yeah, I hadn't either. But he has a you know, he drinks some of the squirting out of the barrel, you know, when after he goes Rambo on the guys at the bridge. And uh then Connery. <laughs> that's I'm sure that's just a coincidence. Oh well, yeah. It's okay. I say it as I pour my wild turkey. It's, it's a morality tale. Here's another uh, interesting side bit. His character is actually based on a real IRS agent named Frank Wilson, who did, in fact, work to uh, indict Capone for tax evasion. And Capone actually did place a uh, contract on his life, oh. but, it, but it was not carried out. So hmm. in real life, Smith's character was still untouchable. Well, that's that's good news. Speaking of actors, uh, there's some other actors that were considered for the role of Elliot Ness. Tell me if you think any of these would have done a better job. Okay. I'm a big I'm a big Kevin Costner fan, but tell me if you think any of these others would do. We'll go one by one. Ready? Okay. Jeff Bridges. I'm the dude. Uh, not better. No. Jack Nicholson. This town needs an enema. No. Too old. Uh, yeah. Too jokery. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, no, hard pass. <laughs> uh, William Hurt. What do you do when your real life exceeds your dreams? Keep it to yourself. Uh, a little maybe. too paternal, maybe. Yeah. Oh. Mickey Rourke. Anytime you try a decent crime, you've got 50 ways you can f*** up. No, no. Mickey Rourke is a gangster, yes. Yes, yes. I agree. Mickey Rourke is a crooked cop, yes. Yes. As a guy who says, let's do some good. While he's trying to break into a speakeasy, no. Hey, let's do some good. <laughs> that would just be creepy. Yeah. Harrison Ford. I got a bad feeling about this. Uh, maybe, yeah. yeah. I can see that. Michael Douglas. Greed, for lack of a better word, is good. No. Don Johnson. I think that one would work. Wrong. Yeah, probably would have been okay. You know, if you'd remembered which wardrobe to wear, the 30s suit and not the 80s suit. Yeah. <laughs> Here are some uh, actors who were also considered for the role of Al Capone. Are you ready? Yeah. Uh, Bob Hoskins. Okay. It looks like That him. would be interesting. Yeah. Marlon Brando. I think you can't separate uh, him from the Godfather. You yeah. Can't, you can't be two kingpins. Yeah. Yeah, actually, I did know about Bob Hoskins. A funny story about that. They had talked to uh, De Palma had talked to him about doing the part before he'd gotten a yes from De Niro. And because of his contract with the studio, because they'd kind of offered him the part, they had to pay him. And so the rumor is that he then wrote an email, email, he didn't write an email, he wrote a, <laughs> note to, <laughs> a note to De Palma saying, do you have any other movies you don't want me to be in? <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, that's, I thought that was really funny. So the reason we're actually talking about this movie right now, um, other than the fact that it turned 30 this year, was Brad and I were having a conversation the other night 
about other notable movies that we've talked about this year, you know, that are having anniversaries. And one of the things that we, we kind of realized, you know, too late is that we're giving you movies that you can't even see anymore. They're, they're not on streaming. Yeah, or they're hard like to that. find. Yeah. So uh, Untouchables is actually available online. Amazon Prime streaming right now. Right now. So I you command can go- you to go watch it. Jimmy? What? What the hell are you dressed for? Halloween? Shut up. I'm working. Uh, the last time you were watching it, you noticed some oddities in the credits. Yeah, it just kind of jumped out at me at the beginning of the movie. Um, Giorgio Armani has a costume designer credit. And I thought, okay, well, that's kind of interesting. And you watch the movie, and the look of the movie, we haven't really talked much about it. We're talking about the actors. But the look of the movie is a really, um, it's a really classic look. Like, there's a lot of Art Deco touches. It's very period piece. Chicago has never been cleaner as it is in this movie. <laughs> I mean, it is it is somehow like seedy and gritty, but at the same time, like spotless. But the suits all look great. They all have that kind of period look to it. And I thought, oh, that's cool. You know, Giorgio Armani must have really, you know, put in some time on that. Well, I come to find out, I did a little looking, a little reading, and one of the people associated with the production had one conversation with Giorgio Armani. And he got the credit for this thing and he may have he supplied some suits that in the end the actual costume designer said yeah we were glad to have those we used them for a lot of the extras kind of interesting he didn't do much of anything and the wardrobe uh, the actual wardrobe designers were kind of upset about it you know there's something else really bizarre about the wardrobe that i read about online uh robert de niro who's a notorious method actor insisted on wearing the same type of silk underwear that al capone actually wore even huh. though you never see the underwear on the screen. Right. No, he actually tracked down the gangster's uh, original tailors and had them make identical clothing for him for the film. They were still alive? An interesting movie. And you're right. There's a feel to this movie that it has. It makes it very unique, I think, in terms of the 80s. I think it's the look and it's the music. Yeah, the soundtrack is just great. Written by Enya Morricone. He is probably best known for his work on the Spaghetti Westerns. Well, I shouldn't say that. He's done a ton of work. But that's kind of, you know, you say Morricone, people think of the, you know, wah, wah, wah. When you, when you know that, when you're watching this, there are touches that he uses here and there of the soundtrack that are kind of, that are reminiscent of that, those movies. But it really does. He really does a great job. It's not the kind of soundtrack that you think, oh, I'm going to put that on and listen to it while I, you know, clean house or fold laundry or something. But it just it drives the movie a lot of times. Oh yeah, just as all those moments where the music swells up and just starts to just explode, you know, and yeah. it, just, it really helps move the plot. I think a yeah. lot. Yeah, it is a character in the movie in a lot of ways, and in, in a way that the the world's cleanest Chicago is as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think if you made that movie today, you would see a lot grittier take on it, but 
because it's the 80s and because Brian De Palma is who he is, I mean, it is still a bloody movie. There's a lot of people that, you know, there's, I mean, come on, there's words getting written on elevator walls and blood. But uh, <laughs> at the same time, it is very tidy and very stylized. A convoy of five to ten trucks filled with a good Canadian whiskey will be met by a high-level member of the Capone organization. Now, he will be bringing with him full payment for the shipment in cash. Now, the meet is to take place just over the border on the American side. Our aim will be to confiscate the liquor and the cash. Captain? We will await their signal. When they are on the road and have given the signal, we will engage from the Canadian side of the bridge. Thus taking them by surprise from the rear. That surprise, as you very well know, Mr. Ness, is half the battle. The surprise is half the battle. Many things are half the battle. Losing is half the battle. Let's think about what is all the battle. Let's take the fight to them, gentlemen. Thank you, Captain. So the critics, when the movie finally was released, were sort of lukewarm on it. The The movie got a, it still maintains an 80% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Now, that's not bad. Not bad, not bad. Uh, it grossed $106.2 million worldwide. It was nominated for four Academy Awards. As we mentioned before, Sean Connery would win the award for Best Supporting Actor. Um, our favorite film critic here at Stuck in the 80s, Roger Ebert, gave it a less than glowing review. He said, uh, quote, The Untouchables has great costumes, great sets, great cars, great guns, great locations, and a few shots that absolutely capture the Prohibition era. But it does not have a great script, great performances, or a great direction. Wow. The script lacks any particular point of view about the material and, in fact, lacks the dynamic tension of many gangster movies written by less talented writers. Everything seems cold and dried, twice told and preordained. Well, yeah. I mean, of course, it's a bit preordained, but uh, I think he's missing the point a little bit. Is this a style over substance argument? Yeah, it's almost like this animal's fire of gangster movies, you know? <laughs> you talk to me like that in front of my son, f*** you and your family. I, I think this story is the star. Chicago is the star. And um, the situation is the star. And the script, the performances, the direction, those are all, you know, co-stars. They're all characters in the, in the, yeah. in the story. You know what else is always a character in our stories? The Saggies. Ah, the mystical refrain that is reader mailbag or listener mailbag or just plain letters. Let's just say just plain letters. <laughs> bag. We'll just call it bag. Here's my bag. The Spearsy bag. The Brad bag. The Brad bag doesn't sound good at all. <laughs> the Spearsy bag, actually. It's my go bag. Yeah. My bug out bag. Uh, we had one letter this week. It's from Christine in Philly. Brad, why don't you do the honors? Oh, Christine writes, Hi, Stephen Brad. I really enjoyed the host interview show. It was a great idea on Gail's part. Very interesting to hear your thoughts and your frustrations. Brad, I love the show since you came on. I enjoyed it when Sean was on, but I like your perspective on things, especially like hearing about you and your wife's adjustment to your kids graduating and moving on. My oldest is a senior this year, and dang, what an emotional roller coaster it's been. Hey, Christine, uh, buckle up. It gets better. Um, <laughs> she continues, I've been listening for so long. I feel like I know the both of you. So that was funny to hear about when you actually meet listeners in person. Thanks for taking me back to my beloved decade, if only for an hour. Christine and Philly. Oh, yeah. Any news with your uh, kids in college? Well, we're getting ready for them to be home for Christmas, which I have to say I'm kind of excited about. You mean you're going to be like smoking meat in the backyard again? 
Probably, then, yeah. Well, what, whatever they want to eat, I'll probably prepare for them. I'm just going to make all the food we have. Is there because like your your daughter is up in Oregon, right? And your right. son is in he's in Massachusetts, yeah, outside Boston, right? Yep, yep. So, is there any kind of like food that they when you talk to them or when you Snapchat them or kick them or whatever it is that you do? Uh, <laughs> you, uh, is there any food that they crave since they've been away from Southern the- California? So far, at least, the special the special meal going out is to go out to sushi. Okay. Um, a, it's expensive, and and B, there just aren't as many places I don't think as there are in Southern California. Uh, but uh, you know, there's also the list of stuff that they want us to actually make. The family favorites. Claire actually gets home this Thursday. So. Oh wow! Have you kept their rooms intact? Have you made any changes? Have you started like taking over their closets with uh, other boxes or anything? They are basically as they left them, except they're clean, which has been weird. <laughs> Do you keep the doors Actually, shut? Keep the doors no, shut. The, doors are, the doors are open so we can get some fresh air through the house. And Cameron has fish, so I'm in there feeding the fish every day. But yeah, their rooms are just so tidy. It's amazing. I think my room was uh, like converted by the t- before I'd even reached the city limits of Gainesville. <laughs> Like you're taking boxes out and they're in there measuring. <laughs> yeah. And I, cause I know when I used to come home for the summers, they had, I slept in the garage. Oh, you're kidding. No, they, they moved. <laughs> they moved oh, right amazing. after my, uh, they moved after my freshman year and they, they bought, they bought a much smaller house. So my sister had a bedroom, my younger sister had a bedroom and they had a bedroom. Sure. I had no bedroom. So I'm, I, this is like a real genius when he wants to move back and yeah. they rented out his bedroom. Yeah, they, they, so they they converted the garage into like my dad's office, and then they like uh, there was like a little about the size of a walk-in closet that was considered to be my room. <laughs> the original Spears lair. It had, uh, it, had, it had wood paneling, and it had. Uh, is that why you won't watch the Harry Potter movies too close to home? It's way too close to home. It had no window. <laughs> And the oh my washer, gosh! And the washer and dryer were right outside my door. So, oh, Steve, this is all starting to. I'm, I'm, I'm gaining all these insights into you just from these little yeah. stories. Yeah, I just, I hadn't, I don't even know why I brought that up, but I just, yeah, I just. So I, I applaud amazing. you for at least keeping their rooms intact for at least another year. Eh, we'll <laughs> see how it goes. Uh, as always, we love your emails. Send them to us at podcast at sit80s dot com. Oh hey, look there! It's the uh, it's the theme to "I Want My Mystery TV" theme song. Uh, this is much the- maligned, yes. much maligned. It doesn't seem like we do this very often, but but we're going to try it. The, it's a rotation, uh, man. It is. It is. We do this one week, and then the next week we'll do mystery movie moment and name the '80s tune and stuff like that. And then there's the always retired seggies, like the yeah. uh, stuck and stuck in the '80s. Hysterical, the rarely, historical happenings. Yeah, the the one time <laughs> we did hysterical historical happenings, and then oh, what else was there? Well, we still do PPTMN every once, PPTMN occasionally, not too often. We don't get too many questions anymore. Anyway, you know the drill here. We play a snippet of a TV theme song, and uh, if you name it right, uh, you're entered into the drawing for a bottle opener, stuck in these bottle opener. Hey, by the way, I opened up a new. Um, there's a new stuck in the '80s store now oh, on our cool. website. If you go to um, sit80s.com slash store, or if you're on our Facebook page, which is uh, 
uh, 80s pod, you know, facebook.com, you know, whatever. <laughs> Just search for us. <laughs> How hard can it be? And, uh, but if you go or go to sit80s.com slash store, it's Google um, it, Steve. Yeah, yeah. I just I built it this week actually, and so you can get some T-shirts that have our logo on it. And this is the best part: there's all these other T-shirts. They're just like general '80s T-shirts that are that I found on on the same website that I can sell it, through the store. Is this the Steve Spears curated collection? Yes, it's the Steve Spears curated collection. We'll say that. They're nice. nice. That's, that's fancy as all get out. But there's some really you know cool, we are nothing if not fancy. Yeah, there's some really cool some cool designs there. So even if you don't want a logo t-shirt, which I don't blame you, because it's tough to explain people why you're wearing that shirt. There's plenty of other cool shirts, including my favorite one. There's a Breakfast Club t-shirt that says, you know, when you get old, your 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 heart dies. You know, I'm like, oh, yes. The essence of you. <laughs> um, anyway... Pay attention. Uh, here was the clip from our last I Want My Mystery TV theme song. Yep, that's MacGyver. So that's MacGyver. It seems like the kind of show that's pointed right at me is like a magician with a paperclip. Uh, but I can safely say I've never seen a single episode of this program. Uh, me too. Yeah. I don't know yeah. why. Just yeah. I, It seems like the kind of show I'd enjoy. But, uh, you know, as, as we've said, I, I'm bad at watching television. Yeah, me too. Horrible. But we're going to try to do more TV shows this year, including one hopefully next week. Yeah. Uh, coming up at you. In the meantime, I want you to name some winners. Winners this week include Joseph Perdue, OJ in La Caruna, Spain. See, even the Spanish market got this and me not so much. <laughs> Michael Mockrock Hayes, Peter Ryan, The Three Daves, Sensei in Tokyo, Augie August, and Dirt. Alex used to be in California, but now in Texas. And Jonathan Thompson. Actually, I did that with the Daves because I just noticed I had three Daves in a row. So just kind of mix it up there a little bit. No disrespect to any of the Daves. No Dave is superior than to another Dave. All <laughs> Daves are equal. And our final winner is Jeff Rocks in Indiana, who writes, Your mystery TV theme song is, of course, MacGyver, which takes me back to 1985. Eighth grade English class. We shuffled in after lunch, expecting to be beaten down by Dickens or Chaucer. And Mrs. Fry said, Sit down. Today we're watching an episode of television's MacGyver, at which point my 13-year-old head exploded. <laughs> Turns out the sixth episode of the first season was adapted from the 1938 short story, Leningen versus the Ants. I know that short story. That's a good story. Okay. Spin the wheel. Let's find out who won the uh, bottle opener. <laughs> Winner is, hey, it's Michael Mockrock Hayes. Uh, nice. You know the drill, Michael. Send us your snail mail address uh, to podcast at sit80s.com and look for something in the mail soon. In the meantime, pay attention. Here's this week's mystery clip. If you know it, email us at podcast at sit80s.com and tune in in a couple of weeks to find out if you are a wiener. We'll be right back after this commercial break. 
Listen up, 80s Nation. Basketball season is back. And here at Stuck in the 80s, that means we have a special sponsor to help you uh, make the most of the season. It's time for you to put your fantasy knowledge to the test and win some huge cash prizes every night playing the one-day fantasy basketball at DraftKings.com. At DraftKings, there are so many ways to play. You could do public contests with huge cash prizes. You could do private leagues. You could do friend leagues. Uh, they've even got beginner and casual contests where you can kind of learn the ropes and kind of get your handle on the whole thing. The best part, you get to draft a new team each day. So here's the deal. Use the special promo code CLNS at DraftKings.com to play free with your first deposit for your share of $10,000 in total prizes tonight. Don't wait. The special code is CLNS at DraftKings.com to choose your lineup, the game inside the game. And we're back. We have just a few minutes left. We haven't discussed our favorite scenes from The Untouchables. That's true. And there's That's so true. many to choose from. And some of them are more visual than others. So we have to pick ones that are kind of radio friendly. So, Brad, what did you pick? My favorite scene is Al Capone's speech post-lunch uh, with the baseball bat in his hands. Life goes on. <laughs> <laughs> A man become preeminent, he is expected to have enthusiasms. 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 What am I? What draws my admiration? What is that which gives me joy? Baseball. A man, a man stands alone at a plate. This is the time for what? For individual achievement. There he stands alone. But in the field, what? Part of a team. Teamwork. Teamwork. Looks, throws, catches, hustles, part of one big team. Bats himself to live long day. Babe Ruth, Ty Cobb, and so on. <laughs> this team don't field. What is he? You follow me? No one. Sunny day, stands are full of fans. What does he have to say? I'm going out there for myself. <laughs> but I get nowhere unless the team wins. Team. Jesus Christ. What I like about this clip 
I mean, it is a violent movie, right? I mean, the movie starts with uh, they blow up a little girl, right? right? Like That's the first thing that happens in this movie. So, you know, it's pretty violent. But Al Capone, to this point, has been – the only time you see him is when he's talking to the press. And he's always just like, I'm just a businessman. You know, I my organization is not violent at all. And this kind of shows what is really going on. And and the brutality and the violence of this scene, just I'll never forget that. You know, the guy slumps forward on the table. De Palma has that overhead shot of the table and the blood, this just ruby red, impossibly red blood yeah. is just pooling out onto the table. It's fantastic. That's <laughs> that's an amazing scene. It's fantastic in a very disturbing way. Uh, exactly. Likewise, exactly. Likewise, uh, my favorite scene is disturbing in a very sad way. I speak, of course, of the death scene of Sean Connery. Malone? Malone? When he grabs him and says, you know, Ness, what are you prepared to do? I mean, it just gets yeah. me every time. Yeah. And Costner's trying to figure out, like, the bookkeeper, he's on this train. You know, oh, just. Yeah. It's like, oh, did you want your charm? And he's like, don't know. I don't want that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's just oh. so good. Oh, Goosebumps. Goosebumps. Oh, man. Anyway, The Untouchables is available. For, I'm not sure for how much longer, but for right now, it's available on Amazon Prime. You might have to search for it. Amazon Prime kind of knows my poison, and it pops right up. <laughs> it pointed you right to it. Yeah, it's either that. Oh, you're interested in a Kevin Costner movie from the 80s? Well, it can't be American Flyers because bicycling is ridiculous. <laughs> I like his movies. And I know you I hate like, Westerns, like, so no Silverado. I like American Flyers. That, that's a really good movie. I do, too, actually. It looks good in I do, too. I really like that movie. Uh, we're going to leave this show with the, the final scene from uh, The Untouchables as uh, Brad and I remain here. <laughs> Not in Chicago, but hopelessly stuck in the 80s. Mr. Ness, Mr. Ness, any comment for the record? The man who put Al Capone on the spot? 
I just happened to be there when the wheel went round. Uh, they, they say they're going to repeal prohibition. What will you do then? I think I'll have a drink. Stuck in the 80s is a member of the CLNS Media Network. Special thanks to Check Battery Daily for our theme music. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or the CLNS Media mobile app. Like a pig. What did you say? I said that your friend died screaming like a stuck Irish pig. Now you think about that when I beat the rat. Hey. Hey! Where is Nitty? He's in the car.